0: Happy New Year and welcome to the New Year's bonus episode of the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast where Christina and I run through 10 healthy habits to make 2021 your most successful year yet. We wanted to get this quick episode out to you guys as a treat to start your 2021 off right, which is why it is launching on a Friday. Most influencers and authorities in this field are going to try to use today to try to sell you something. And we just want to give you good, honest information that is going to help you thrive in whatever goals you choose to set this year. As always, if you like this podcast and you want to support it, all we ask is that you share this episode with a friend, family member, or coworker who would benefit from it. One share can go a really long way and supports our mission to help as many people as possible to live a healthier, sustainable lifestyle. Finally, we would love you even more than we already do if you took the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Ratings and reviews are how this podcast moves up the ranks and becomes accessible to even more people. Thanks again for listening, and we hope that you enjoyed this episode, our first bonus episode, 10 Healthy Habits to Make 2021 Your Best Year Yet.
1: Welcome back to today's episode. So in today's episode, we're going to discuss 10 healthy habits to implement to make 2021 your best year yet. So we made it to 2021. Happy new year. Super exciting.
0: (laughs) Happy new year guys. Yeah. So again, if you're listening to this, it means you made it through the craziest year that anyone has ever experienced, at least in this generation. Um, And so you know whatever that means to you, whatever goals you might be starting to work on or starting to set new goals, we're not necessarily going to talk about how to set goals or what your goals should be, because that's gonna be a very individual decision based on you. But we are gonna talk about these habits that are gonna be extremely foundational to just any goal that you might be pursuing
1: in the new year or just in general. Right, because we have, we feel like you're going to get on social media and you're going to hear this message from everyone about how to get in the best shape of your life and how to lose 20 pounds by March and you know whatever crazy marketing tactic coaches might be using right now or things that you might be seeing they're trying to sell you, whether it's their program, maybe a challenge or coaching with them. We just wanted to do a general list for anyone who's just trying to live a healthier lifestyle. So whether you're trying to lose, actively lose weight, whether you're trying to build muscle, sorry, <laughs> dog. Sadie's in my lap and she's uh trying to comment on some of the items, but um <laughs> whatever, if you're watching on the YouTube video, you'll see her in my lap throughout this uh, episode. But whatever your goals might be, we just wanted to share with you 10 healthy habits of people who we feel like who live healthy lifestyles and 10 healthy habits that they have. And we also want to stress that these are in no particular order of importance. So it's just kind of just 10 random things that we thought of, I guess not random, but 10 things that we thought of that highly healthy individuals practice.
0: And all equally important, I would probably say like in, in no particular order, but you should definitely be prioritizing all of these things.
1: Yes. Um, so number one, I feel like is kind of the overarching theme for the list is yep. just to make your goals again, whatever they may be. And a lot of people are setting goals in, for the new year, 2021, but whatever your goals or your focus are to make sure that they are process focused versus outcome focused.
0: Yeah. And I guess another word for that would be framework like mm-hmm. the framework of how we're looking at your day-to-day routines, um, and just your habits in general. And so what this means, what is process focused? What is outcome focused? Um, I think a lot of the coaching industry is moving more in this direction. Um, I think before it was very much, Hey, let's set up your smart goals, you know, smart, measurable, like a specific, measurable, attainable time, uh, Realistic and timely, you know, that's smart stands for Uh, it's a great way to set goals. And I think that was how goal setting and managing your progress over time was originally and probably in the past, like five to 10 years looked at in a more like, let's set this up and let's achieve this goal and let's knock it down which is not a bad way to look at things, but when we're talking about behavior change and habit setting and setting the foundation for the day-to-day things that we're doing, we have to be process focused because if we're goal focused, we're outcome focused, we're only looking at that one thing that matters, right? And so we're setting all of our value up into that outcome. And so let's say for you, that goal is 10 pounds or 20 pounds. That's great that we're aiming for a bigger goal, But what happens if, you know, a certain amount of time goes by and you haven't achieved that, then you're going to essentially deem yourself a failure because you didn't reach that outcome. But if we are process focused and we're focused on every little thing day to day that matters in the steps to achieving those bigger goals then we can check off wins every single day and stay motivated every single day. And so that's what being process focused means. It means you know you care about checking off that box for getting in your water for the day or getting in all of your protein or your meals or crushing all of your workouts for the week. And embracing the process of living a healthier lifestyle not just focusing on the outcome and it really allows us to enjoy the process more and enjoy what this lifestyle actually has to offer
1: yeah i agree because i think like you were saying that sometimes it's very easy to get caught up on you know am i looking leaner am i looking bigger am i looking this have i am i closer to my goal um rather than focusing on like hey i i did everything i needed to do for today and that's a win for me so i think that marissa and i were very similar in the way we structure our days and the way we kind of structure our goals and how we approach things um is so if you're not familiar with andy fursella he has kind of created and coined this idea of having like a power list and so we'll link the full podcast episode in the description notes because it is one of the most important podcasts I think I've ever listened to because it has structured everything I do during my day. So the main takeaway is to, you know, a lot of people will will make lists. I need to do this. I need to get this done. This needs to get done. But his big thing is five things. These are five non-negotiable things that you need to do every single day. So that could look like hitting your macros, that could be drinking a gallon of water, it could be going on a 30-minute walk, Um, you know, whatever it is, something related to your job or something related to your business. Um, Maybe it's reading for 10 minutes, whatever it might be, it's just five non-negotiable things that you check off your list every single day. And if you do those five things, you've won your day. So that's a win and you get to check that off and go to bed or go finish the day however you want to, spending it however you want to, knowing that you just won the day. So the idea is if you win every single day, you will eventually win your week, which will eventually lead to winning your month, will eventually lead to winning the year. And if you have all those consecutive wins, well, you're just going to have this momentum of winning.
0: Yeah, and I think... The Powerlist podcast, man, that was like one of his first ones, right? I
1: think, and yeah, but it was really good.
0: It was really early on, like before he changed oh. the name of the podcast. I think he runs the, it's the Real AF podcast mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great, great show. Definitely still listening to that. Um, but yeah, that was a huge part of my life. I think what, a couple years ago when that mm-hmm. came out as well. And I've actually taken this, and I think a lot of people have taken it and adapted it, but he was really the one that, that coined that term or um, that that name for the, the power list. But one one way that I've kind of applied this with my clients is sometimes I won't even take five things. Sometimes I will take one thing or three things. And so sometimes if a client is coming out of a rut or you know trying to get back on track after falling off really hard, mm-hmm. um, A lot of times, and this will go into some of the other points that we're going to talk about today, uh, it has to do with putting yourself first and prioritizing yourself. Um, and making sure that non-negotiable thing is something that's going to serve you. So sometimes I'll have a client just focus on one thing that they're going to do for themselves that day uh, that they can check off, or maybe just mm-hmm. three things. And sometimes you got to start there. You got to start with a less overwhelming you know, process goal. Maybe five things is a lot for you. Maybe you're not used to checking off five healthy habits every single day, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. So really just start with giving yourself those non-negotiables, focusing on the process not the outcomes on that day-to-day basis. And I think you'll definitely enjoy this process so much more in mm-hmm. 2021 than maybe you have in years past.
1: Yes. So we're kind of giving you a couple different habits that you might be able to implement and add to your power list. But overall, these are just some good things that you can implement day-to-day. So the first, uh, well, I guess we've kind of already talked about the first, which is process focus versus outcome focus. But the second. um habit to implement is movement, and this is movement into your day, so day-to-day, focusing on meat, so maybe movement that isn't specifically related to exercise or specifically related to cardio, but just some movement, so getting up, walking around, going on maybe 10-minute walks throughout the day. And the other thing that's really cool is that in about two weeks, we're going to release an episode all about NEAT. So we'll go into this much, much, much more in depth, but NEAT is just non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So things that you can implement during your day is maybe a 10 minute walk after lunch or something that I've heard that some of my clients do is they'll take their phone calls, whether it's work or maybe with a, with a friend or a family member, and they'll just take it outside and go on a walk. So you're kind of killing two birds with one stone, you know, you're able to do what you need to do, but you're also getting in some movement. Cause if you think about, if you do a 10 minute walk three to four times a day, that's 30 to 40 minutes worth of movement. So I feel like everyone is able to, it's hard to feel like I can't commit to 45 minutes or an hour into the gym, but 10 minutes here and there throughout your day. And that all adds up. Yeah.
0: And we really want to just be promoting, you know, fighting against a sedentary lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of us are really falling into, especially with the pandemic that hit us in 2020. A lot of people transitioned to work from home. A lot of people now aren't even, you know, driving their car to work and parking in the parking lot and having to walk up to their office. And mm-hmm. all of those steps that accumulate throughout the day, all of that movement, you know, it might not even seem like a lot if you're going from a desk job at work to a just desk job at home. But But even that can make a big difference. And so Mm -hmm. we're really trying to just protect against a sedentary lifestyle and all the comorbidities that come along with that, like cardiovascular disease, obesity, type 2 diabetes, et cetera. Um, And then in addition, not just focusing on movement that is uh, non-exercise related, but just exercise in general, you know, finding Mm -hmm. exercise that you enjoy. And later on in this episode, we're going to talk about resistance training and the importance of it, but it doesn't have to be just that. You don't have to walk into the gym and be a bodybuilder just because we said so on the Barbell Lifestyle podcast. Mm -hmm. You know, you can go and do yoga. You can go outside and play Frisbee. You can Mm -hmm. walk your dog as your form of exercise. There are so many things that you can do and it doesn't have to be one size fits all. So yes, we are going to promote using a barbell, using dumbbells and resistance training and getting stronger, but that is not the only avenue that you can take. And we just want you to be moving and active.
1: Yeah. So I think that's just a great thing that a lot of healthy people implement into their lives is just just getting up and moving, whether it's. Specific exercise or just doing things like getting outside going on walks like uh, Marissa was saying yoga whether it's um, I had one client who said that they really like playing just dance and so instead of Instead of doing you know a 30-minute cardio session She did that and she was able to do it with friends and it was something that she really enjoyed so just finding exercise that you enjoy and makes you happy and implementing that into your life
0: that actually reminds me of my mom's exercise. She loves to go dancing with friends. Mm-hmm. And so like right now that may be a little bit challenging, but like literally it can be something social, you know, it doesn't have to be something isolated. Like you go into the gym or you sit down on a bike by yourself. Like you can make it something social too. And, and make mm-hmm. it something that's more enjoyable for you.
1: Yeah. So that's my mom. My mom does not like going to the gym, she doesn't like resistance training, but she loves biking and that's her thing. So if you have a coach telling you, no, you can only do this, you can only do that, then um, you know, I feel like that's, it's not something that you're going to be able to sustain long-term if it's not something that you enjoy doing.
0: Yeah, exactly. And the best kind of lifestyle is one that you can enjoy. Um, so with when it comes to exercise, you know, just finding something that you can enjoy and if There's something that you enjoy a little bit less like maybe let's say you don't like lifting weights quite that much but you know it's important to do maybe you do that a couple of times per week but maybe you go on hikes every single saturday and maybe that is what you really look forward to and that's okay so we don't want to just sit here and harp on you know hey weights 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 or nothing else Um, and just make sure making sure that you guys are setting goals that you're actually going to enjoy pursuing
1: yeah so i think that's a good um way to end that segment and talk about number three which is hydration so making sure that you're getting in a decent amount of water every single day so i think if you were to open a textbook they say that you should be drinking um about i think it's half of your body weight ounces and that's at a very minimum Um, so for example if you are a 120 pound woman you should be at a minimum drinking 60 ounces of water Now, I think that's on a very low end of the scale. I think if you're an active individual, um, especially in warmer climates, you should be drinking more than that. I think that just a good rule of thumb is to to get in a gallon. Um, And that might seem pretty extreme if you are that person who's only drinking 60 ounces of water. Um, So it's it's absolutely possible to, over time, increase your water intake. Um, But there are so many benefits to getting in additional liquid throughout the day and just making sure that you're properly hydrated
0: yeah i mean a lot of times i'll get new clients coming in and they're drinking you know one water bottle per day Mm -hmm. and uh and then the rest is either diet sodas or um just coffee or tea and you know hey can i count uh this coffee as, as part of my water intake and you know, with those kinds of things, if you're looking at, you know, how much can I count as my water intake to get me up to that gallon, that's kind of missing the point, right? Because like, let's say, you know, you have a gallon of water, but you know, half of that is in coffee. And then the other half is water and diet sodas. Yes, that is liquid, but we want to get in a lot of actual just water or water with, you know, maybe a little bit of crystallite, flavoring in it. But uh, the biggest thing with that is you don't want to be counting uh, water that is also inherently dehydrating into your day. So typically things with caffeine will dehydrate you a little bit, um, as well as hydrate you. It's kind of counterintuitive. But you know, there is obviously water in coffee, that's part of what it's made with. But the diuretic properties of coffee are also going to dehydrate you. So when it comes to like, getting in enough water, counting your water intake, let's just, you know, remove the the technicals and and not focus so much on, oh, what can I count? What can I count? How many exact ounces am I at? But, you know, get something like a half gallon jug and just like work on that throughout the day. Um, and, you know, that can really make a big difference. And in general, you know, we're not just harping on on drinking a gallon of water per day because we want you to be a bodybuilder and carry around Mm -hmm. a gallon jug. You know, it helps with the digestion of of nutrients, macro and micronutrients. Mm -hmm. It helps with decreasing bloating and water retention in your body. It helps with your hair, skin, nails, and all of your bodily functions. Um, So I guess to to say it as quickly as possible on hydration, it's super important for everything we do. Our bodies are 60% water, sometimes more, sometimes less. And there's a reason why we need to be drinking more of it.
1: Right. And I think that also another thing to to point out is it helps a lot with bloating. Um, So I know that that is something that a lot of females typically um, experience. And so that can be a sign of dehydration. So some signs that you might be dehydrated are the color of your urine. So if it is Bright yellow or bright orange, um, or if it's like very, very colorful, that could be a sign that you're de- dehydrated. Um, maybe you get really bad headaches, or you feel really lethargic, or you feel like you can't concentrate. Um, so all of those things are signs that you just might need to increase your water intake. And it's very interesting the uh, from clients that I experience when I increase their water intake, is they're like, "Oh my gosh, I." feel just so much better day to day, feel less bloated. Um, I actually look leaner. Um, I, I just feel great during my workouts. I can get pumps now in the gym. Um, so again, we, we're not telling you to be a bodybuilder and to carry around right a gallon, but you just might be very surprised how much better you feel from just increasing your water intake. And that's something so, so little, but can make a huge difference.
0: Yeah. and. Uh... The other thing about water intake is, you know, we kind of touched on, okay, well, you know, half your body weight in ounces, that's on the low end. Um, a gallon is a good rule of thumb, but you know, how much should you be drinking on an individual level? Um, really just thinking about it from a from a what you're adding in type of perspective. So, you know, if you are sitting at home all day long and you know, you're not really doing anything active, maybe a half a gallon, you know, 60 60-ish ounces is perfectly fine. But as soon as you add being in the heat or exercising or something, some kind of activity, yeah, or even Mm -hmm. just like being at elevation, um, like those kinds of things can impact your water need. Um, And then of course, as body size increases, so if you're a 6'3 male who's 230 pounds, your water intake needs are going to be very different than Mm -hmm. someone who is, you know, a petite 120 pound woman. Mm -hmm. So that's very individual
1: as well. And you might feel like you are getting up to go to the bathroom quite frequently. So that's all gonna help with your knee. <laughs> um, but so like win-win there. Um, but some of the things that I've heard from my clients is they're not really sure how to increase their hydration because, um, they feel like either their work schedule is very difficult like when i was teaching in the classroom that was really difficult for me because you can't leave your children unattended you have to always have someone with you Um, so that was really difficult but what i like to do is i start my morning so i leave my house at 6 30 in the morning because i have a long commute and i have to be at work early so before i walk out the door i have about 12 to 20 ounces of water. And I have my greens first thing in the morning from Core Nutritionals and I make sure I get that in and then I will fill up my bottle again with aminos. So I'll drink that on my way into work since I have a 40 minute commute. And then I also have my coffee with me. So I'll drink that in the morning while I'm sitting at my desk. So I probably get in anywhere from 50 to 60 ounces before eight o'clock, nine o'clock in the morning. So that's just a way for me to make sure that I'm drinking my water and I'm not left at the end of the day at 8 p.m. going, crap, I need to chug half a gallon of water. Um, So that's just something that I do and implement.
0: Yeah. And the other thing with that is, you know, let's talk about that situation where you are at 8 p.m. Hey, I have a whole gallon or half a gallon of water left to drink you know that's stressful and it's not mm-hmm. only stressful on your mind but it's stressful on your body because mm-hmm. you might be waking up in the middle of the night to pee mm-hmm. and we don't necessarily want that we don't want to promote just this unhealthy you know oh i need to chug all my water right before bed type of mindset because getting in water throughout the day to fuel everything that you're doing cognitively physically matters so starting your day off with some water should matter. Um, You should try to front load your water intake a little bit. Um, I I will say I personally get in at least a half a gallon, typically more, before noon. Um, Mm -hmm. And like that's pretty regular for me and getting in the majority of my water intake by 3 p.m. is also pretty normal for me. And that way I don't have to worry about getting in the rest of my water at the end of the day, I just kind of drink as I feel thirsty. And then I'm not going to bed, having to pee four times in the middle of the night. And so think about as well, trying to get some water in early. That way you're not stressed and in that situation later in the day.
1: Mm -hmm. And it's also just a a good habit. I mean, after you've been sleeping for anywhere from six to eight hours, your body's been fasting. So you haven't had any, any food or any liquid. So it's just a good way to wake up and kind of rehydrate yourself after fasting for however many hours you've been asleep. So that brings us to number four, which is a lot of healthy people, they prioritize and they prepare for things. So whether that's their meals and their food for the day, whether it's their exercise or workouts, um, they are, not doing things kind of, they're not just flying by the seat of their pants, that they are taking time to make sure that they have everything covered. So I know that I feel so much better just in general, uh, both healthy, like just feeling healthy. And with my mindset that if I have meal prep for the week, and I know that I don't need to s- spend any additional time thinking about well, what am I going to have for breakfast? What am I going to have for lunch? I'm going to have to leave the office and go here and I need to find something that fits my macros. Or if I'm like, crap, I didn't pack my lunch. And so I'm grabbing like beef jerky and just, you know, protein bars. And that's getting me through my day. I just don't feel good. I feel kind of just cluttered and just not really with it. And I just don't feel as good as if I'm properly fueling my body with good nutritious food. So I think that people who are really healthy take that additional time to plan out their meals, whether it's for breakfast, it's for lunch, um, or maybe they prep in bulk. So they're not reaching into the pantry and grabbing things that maybe they shouldn't. um, But they have whole nutritious foods in their um in their fridge at all times so yeah just kind of prepping
0: yeah and like along with that being proactive about Mm -hmm. your lifestyle and being in control and i think what i really got from you with that kind of example christina is how you know when you are grabbing things on the go and you didn't prepare something you don't feel in control and Mm -hmm. that's what makes us feel of blah right because we're not in control of our life we're not dictating what we are putting into our bodies because we're putting ourselves in situations where we have to make something work on the fly or on the go um and that's difficult and that makes everything so much harder and so yes Meal prepping is difficult meal prepping takes time and energy, but you know what else takes time and energy, stressing about what you're going to pick up for lunch when you have forgotten to pack anything that day and stressing about, you know, when you're going to get your workout in because you, you know, skipped it for three days straight. And now you have to stack up your split back to back to back. And so being proactive being in control and putting yourself first and valuing your goals enough to actually take action on things ahead of time is one of the best things that you can do for yourself and your routine.
1: Mm -hmm. And the same thing that goes for nutrition goes for workouts and exercise as well. So we've talked about this before, but in the past when I was transitioning from going to school to working full time, I would come home from work and it would be, very difficult for me to get back out of the house and go somewhere else so i needed to prioritize my workouts and my cardio so i made sure that again i was trying to prepare the night before and i would pack my gym bag or pack my outfits that way i could just grab everything and go and then on my way home from work i would go to the gym that way there was nothing else that would really get in my way because i had everything i needed i packed my pre-workout i packed my food and i would just go home hit the gym and then go home. And then that way I didn't have to do anything else the rest of the night, I could just stay there. And there was nothing that got in the way of me getting in my workout
0: yeah and i've definitely done that as well um just you know coming home from wherever it is classes work um and just having my gym bag packed ready to go um and yeah that takes a couple extra minutes the night before and you know you just have to choose where you're putting your effort in right because Mm -hmm. it's going to take effort the night before to streamline the day ahead but you know for most people when they experience what it feels like to have prepared things ahead of time and to have set themselves up for success, that trade-off is usually worth it compared to getting home, dragging your ass and trying to get yourself up off the couch to go to the gym and then getting to the gym super late and then having to get home and and rush to get yourself ready for bed and and start the next day. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, it's, it's where you choose to put your effort. It's not one is more effort than the other. Um, mm-hmm. And choosing where you're going to add stress to yourself because yeah. it's going to be stressful to to have that rushed situation in the evening. And it might be a little bit less stressful, but still extra work to prep everything the night before. And so it's really just where you choose to put that energy.
1: Mm-hmm. And the other thing when it comes to prioritizing things like your workouts, a lot of people who I feel like, implement healthy healthy habits into their lifestyle, they prioritize their workout and their movement by getting it in early. So we all know how good it feels to do some morning cardio or to get in a morning session and you're just you're done with your exercise and you get to check it off and you have the rest of the day and you don't have it looming over your head like, oh crap, I need to go get in my workout. I need you just get it done and you don't have to worry about it. And That is one of the things, and and I feel like it also just sets the tone for the rest of your day. It's a lot easier to stay on track and to not eat, um, quote unquote, bad food because you're just that much more motivated because you're like, I don't want to ruin it. Um, I got in a, you know, a, a good workout or a good cardio session this morning.
0: Yeah. And that might not work for everyone too. Like, let's say your, your work life, you know, practically you work an eight to four or a nine to five and you are just not a morning person. So you get up, you go to work and that is your routine. It's okay to not have that be your schedule, but still make something healthy, a priority. First thing in the day, it doesn't have to be your entire workout or your entire cardio session, but maybe you get up and you stretch for 10 minutes before you start your day. Or maybe you start with meditation or journaling, and do something that's going to be a healthy habit that sets the tone of your day up. Um, and so, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be exercise. I do agree with you, though, that it does start your day off on a better foot, um, and I personally feel that way. Um, but you know, some people's lifestyles or schedules may not cater to that exactly. And so oh, yeah want to make sure that, you know, if you're able to do something, whether it's just writing down three things you're grateful for, or what your intentions are for the day, um, or, or doing 10 minutes of yoga or stretching when you start off your morning, those, yeah. can, those can also be super productive ways too.
1: Yeah, and I mean, like I mentioned, like I, I wake up at 5:30 and I'm out the door by 6:30. It, it you know I'd have to wake up at four or 4:30 in order to get in movement, and that's just not something that I'm willing to do um, because I'm prioritizing sleep, which is going to be our next thing to talk about, which is a good segue. Um, but I just know that I would rather prioritize sleep, and I'm able to get in movement later in the day. So I go actually I I work out on my lunch break on days that I am. At work. Um, but another thing I wanted to actually say earlier was it made me think about um, uh, what, talking about packing your gym bag. So I always have my gym bag in the car with me. So I always have sneakers in my car at all times. And over the summer, I had to do, I was on my way to go home and get in my lift and do cardio, and my car wouldn't start. And I had to wait for my husband to come, or I think it was my husband or a tow truck or something to come bring the key. So I had an hour and a half of just sitting there doing nothing. And so I threw on my sneakers and I went on an hour long walk and I got my cardio in. (laughs) So it's just like little things like that. Um, Just kind of always being prepared and ready. (laughs) Yeah. And you can always make the best of your
0: situation that way too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So um, that's a good segue to go into number five, which is getting good quality sleep. So this can be really underrated. And I feel like especially now we always go back to kind of the social media age, but everyone on social media is like, you know, grind 24 seven, no sleep. You can sleep when you're dead. And, and it's, you know, this entrepreneurial type lifestyle and wow, that's great. And it's like, yeah, you know, you should be Um, getting things done. But if you are not getting enough sleep, you are not going to have the energy to tackle anything the rest of your day.
0: Yeah. And I will say that the more times I run into clients or people that say like, oh, well, I get like four or five hours of sleep per night, but like I function fine. you know, If we make a small change and we say, okay, well, let's make that four to five, six to seven the difference that someone will notice is absolutely incredible. And Mm -hmm. you can become habituated to low levels of sleep and low quality sleep. And you can real, you can adjust to that as your new normal, but I can tell you right now, when you get yourself to that seven to nine hours of sleep per night and really like nailing that down, your life will change. And I will say My own sleep, personally, has been really good most of the year, Um, and I've been really good about prioritizing it and actually practicing what I preach with that this year, but this past weekend, uh, if you're listening to this, this will be a couple weeks ago, I moved apartments and uh, spent most of the night and all of the early hours of the morning unpacking, building furniture, and just had some really long sleepless nights, and this is the first time that I've allowed myself to do that since probably before the pandemic struck. And I can tell you right now, getting myself to the gym and motivating myself for a workout Night and day difference, no pun intended. (laughs) But seriously, it has been so much harder. And I didn't realize how much harder just getting a couple bad nights of sleep had made it. And so Mm -hmm. I'm finally getting back to my like normal schedule now and feeling more like myself. But when you do get into a good routine with sleep, it really does make everything else a lot easier.
1: Yeah. And the other thing too is if you think about it, when we go to sleep, we are recharging and we are getting energy. So if you are not getting, adequate amounts of energy per night, your body is going to look for that energy in other ways, like through food. So when you even, I think research studies have shown that even getting one hour less of sleep a night can lead to increased levels of your hunger hormones. Um, And so we've talked about this in other episodes, but that can lead you to maybe over snacking or overeating throughout the day, um, feeling just less, uh, feeling more lethargic. And so everything is thrown off by right? just an hour less of sleep. Yeah. And, uh, so that
0: is definitely something that I've seen as well in the research is your leptin is your satiety hormone, so That's the hormone that tells you, Hey, I'm full. That one will actually decrease in the amount in your body um, that is produced. And then ghrelin, your hunger hormone, um, if I'm pronouncing that right, I don't even know. Mm -hmm. But um, that is your hunger hormone telling you, hey, like your stomach's grumbling. You can remember that that with the GR, like, grr, I'm hungry. Um, That will go up decreased sleep and like like christina said one night of poor sleep can increase ghrelin and decrease leptin and just make you feel like you have maybe more cravings or you're not satiated and then Mm. what happens maybe you snack too much you overeat and then uh, that trickles into other bad habits that might start to form.
1: Mm-hmm. And so there also is a difference between sleep and quality sleep. Um, so one thing that you might experience is like, let's say, for example, you have some alcohol before bed, um, you might feel like you fall asleep quicker. But again, studies have shown that your quality of sleep is not great. Um, so getting into a sleep routine, preparing your body for for sleep, because a lot of times I feel like people nowadays, we have a lot going on, or we either we're on our phone or we're watching TV, um, and then you just, you have all these lights on, and then you turn them off, get into bed, and you're telling your body, okay, let's sleep. But your body, your body sometimes needs to be primed for sleep. So you need to kind of s- like have these signals, signal signaling to your body, hey, we're we're getting in this routine. It's we're getting ready to go to bed. So maybe that is not being on your phone, um, not being exposed to blue light through your phone or your TV or computer. Um, so maybe you read for an hour. Maybe you take a shower. Take a, a Quick bath, something that's just you know you're turning some of the lights off, you're moving into the bedroom, and you're just telling your body, hey, we're we're getting ready for sleep. Um, so having a, a sleep routine, which is um, what we just talked about before, but also having a very similar sleep schedule. So a lot of people that looks different on a weekday to a weekend. Um, so if you're able to kind of match those up and make them pretty consistent, that's a lot easier for your body because um, our bodies. Are very um, I mean we go off a of circadian rhythm and Marissa can talk about this a lot because her partner um, has a night shift <laughs> so it's a little different than what most people are are, um, are used to so he I mean the circadian rhythm is something that they really need to pay attention to but you these healthy sleep hygiene habits can really improve the quality of sleep that you're experiencing every night
0: yeah, I have a couple of things that I definitely want to add to that. I mean, before talking about shift work, because, oh, my God, that's a whole nother mm-hmm. animal. Um, I've definitely learned a lot from that, though, because you have to pay attention to so much more to get really good sleep with that. Um, but in general with sleep hygiene, that term's kind of thrown around a lot, like sleep hygiene, sleep hygiene, you got to work on that, but what is it and what kind of things can you do? So a couple of really good tips that if you haven't already implemented can drastically impact the quality and restfulness of your sleep. Uh, the first one that I think is super underrated is room temperature. So you want to have mm-hmm. your room anywhere from 67 to 70 degrees. And you really don't want it to be much warmer than 70. And that can promote much better quality sleep you want a cool room. um, In addition, you might want to have a fan running or some kind of white noise. There are white noise machines. uh, But personally, I just like to have the overhead fan uh, running in my room. Another one is blackout curtains. So if you are going to be sleeping through some daylight, it's at some point maybe you sleep in regularly, or um, you know maybe you do work a night shift. Uh, then you know blackout curtains can be a game changer because exposing yourself to daylight is going to either wake you up or lower the quality of your sleep. Um, And then all of those things like winding down at the end of the day, like Christina mentioned, are super, super important. And if you do have to be on a screen right before you go to bed then wearing a blue light glasses, uh, a blue light cover, blocking glasses, I'm like, what are words? And Um, some
1: people have filters that they can put on their computers. So at a certain time at like, let's say um, seven or eight o'clock, it'll switch over and it'll turn your um, monitor or your screen into more warm tones. Yeah,
0: the iPhone settings have that mm-hmm. as well. So, like at a certain time, you're you're you'll go into what's called night mode. And so, if you mm-hmm. don't have that turned on already, it's a super easy way that you don't have to think about. Um, that can really help with that. Um, in addition, so to just kind of touch on that uh, night shift. Uh, topic. So if you are working shift work, one thing to pay attention to, again, is the daylight that you're being exposed to before bed. So my boyfriend works from 11, 1030 to 1130 at night-ish to, you know, 7 30 in the morning most of the time. And so if the sun is rising up, Um, he has to make sure that he is not being exposed to that daylight right before he goes to bed. So closing the curtains, closing the blinds, um, and when he was actually commuting into the office, that means wearing sunglasses on your commute home and trying Mm -hmm. to just block out that, that sunlight, because why that happens and why that disturbs your ability to fall asleep is because the natural human circadian rhythm functions off of daylight. And so Mm -hmm. when you see daylight first thing in the morning, this is why, you know, we have, um, indoor like uv lamps for people who struggle with certain mental health issues or with their circadian rhythm so they'll Mm -hmm. wake up and they'll turn on that light on themselves if they live in a dark environment um or you know why why there is a recommendation to wake up and go get some sunlight first thing in the morning because it's not only good for your mental health, but it's good to set in your circadian rhythm. Mm -hmm. And so if you're seeing that daylight before you go to bed, that's an issue because it's telling your body, oh, time to be awake. Mm -hmm. And so that's important. Um, And then keeping the room cool, keeping the blackout curtains up, um, if you are commuting again, you know, use those sunglasses or use blue light glasses when you are on a screen and just getting enough sunlight in general. And we're going to talk about sunlight and vitamin D, but especially if you are doing some kind of shift work, um, getting sunlight during the time that you're supposed to be awake can be so, so important to keeping your circadian rhythm in line and being able to sleep through the day.
1: hmm. So yeah, so you made some really, really good points and also perfectly segues into our healthy habit number six and number nine. So number six is to unplug. Um, So we talked about spending an hour off of your phone or off of your computer from watching TV before bed, um, putting your phone away from bed. So this is something that I started doing because I had a really bad habit of not being able to fall asleep and then picking up my phone and scrolling. And I would scroll for 30 minutes, maybe an hour. And before I knew it, it was one o'clock in the morning. And I was perpetuating me not being able to sleep. So what I do now is I actually set my phone in our bathroom. And so when my alarm goes off at five 30, I don't have the option of snoozing. I have to get up, turn my phone off. And then I'm like, well, I'm already up. So I'm going to stay up. Um, so not only is it going to help you with that quality of sleep, but it's also just nice to unplug and unwind at the end of the night, not feeling like you have to respond to messages on social media or to scroll. So you're possibly spending more time with your friends and family, or maybe your significant other, and you're just removing yourself from social media. And that's just a good habit to implement, not just before bed, but at other times in your in your life or in your day too. So sometimes it's very easy, and, and Marissa and I are Definitely, um, we, we're victims of this sometimes, we spend a lot of time on our phones because it's really easy. Well, oh, let me just answer this email real quick, or let me just answer this message or reply to this comment, or I need to see what so-and-so is up to. And so just taking times off of social media and taking times away from your phone can be really helpful, um, not just for improving your sleep, but also just your mental health.
0: Yeah. And to kind of go off of that train of thought, this kind of goes under unplugging and kind of goes under just good sleep hygiene Mm -hmm. examples or ways to unwind your mind. This Mm -hmm. is one thing that I recommend to a lot of my clients and I call it brain dumping, but I don't know what the technical term for it is. Um, But whether you like to journal before bed or, uh, you know, maybe you have trouble falling asleep, not because maybe, so let's say it's not social media and let's say it is just your mind racing because it's a stressful time in your life and there's lots of things going through your head right before bed and it keeps you up because you're thinking about all those things and maybe your body is tense because of that. Um, one really good way to get all those things out that I do practice myself during some stressful times is what I call brain dumping. And so if you're one of my clients who's done this and is, is listening to this, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. But essentially I would say, Hey, go grab a piece of paper or a notebook or even like, I don't care if it's on your phone, just grab something that you can write on or type out and list out everything that is going through your mind, dump it all out onto the paper and let that all be there. Because then mm-hmm. when you see it all on paper and you, you dump out everything that's racing through your mind, then you can go to bed with the peace that, Hey, I can forget about this for now, wake up and it'll all still be there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that kind of is a really good way to unwind your mind, get everything out. And that can take the form of journaling, um, but sometimes it just takes, you know, writing out a list. And if there's a lot of things to do the next day, that can really help to put your mind at ease.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, So we were going to talk about this um, in the number nine spot, but I think that we can replace this with number seven, just because it ties into sleep and unplugging, but that's just to go outside. um so going outside being able to connect with nature um it also allows you to get in a lot of vitamin d just improves your mood again helps with sleep helps with your circadian rhythm and also just your mental health so whether it's spending 10 minutes outside an hour um it's just i mean we're we're supposed to be outside and in nature not cooped up inside a office with these um, artificial light. So it's just great, you know, opening up the windows, letting in a lot of natural sunlight. It's just, it just feels good.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I kind of already hit on this. So, you know, with your circadian rhythm, with your sleep, especially and, and with your mental health, um, getting out, getting some sunlight, um, getting vitamin D, or even if you're not even if it's not sunny outside right like maybe it's very overcast outside um just the power of being outdoors and not being cooped up and you know Mm -hmm. having that sense of cabin fever all the time Mm -hmm. especially in the winter this can be really tough because it's not always sunny um but one way you know that you can artificially substitute this if you need to and i think this is more along um psychiatry and like actual clinical practice but Mm -hmm. if you want to look into those uv lamps that you can Mm -hmm. wake up and you can shine that on yourself for 15 minutes that is a a clinical practice and that is uh, one way that you can give yourself that kind of exposure another way is supplementing with vitamin d Mm -hmm. and most people i mean maybe not most but a very very large proportion of the population is vitamin D deficient,
1: and especially in the winter months.
0: Yes, and that's partially to do with our sedentary in the office workplace lifestyle because we're not getting outside from eight to four when it's sunny, mm-hmm. um, or nine to five or whatever it might be. Um, but also just you know the the nature of our society now is is indoors, and so uh, you know getting outside. If you can't do that, like maybe you work underground or maybe you work really long hours, maybe you work a night shift. Supplementing with vitamin D is another really, really great option. You can get a couple thousand IUs in every day and at least prevent that deficiency that can impact your mood. Again, your sleep, circadian rhythm, and especially mental
1: health. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I feel like we, we covered that one pretty well. And then going into what is now number eight, um, right. Number eight, um, is resistance training and, or, attempting to build muscles they usually go hand in hand um but there are just so many reasons to build muscle build muscle and so we've talked about already um it helps improve your metabolism to be able to eat more food there are so many cognitive improvements that you can make i think there have been some studies that have shown that it can fight against alzheimer's and dementia um It overall just helps protect over a sedentary lifestyle, which we've talked about before. It can, in males, help increase testosterone. And I feel like for women can also help with our estrogen levels. And again, especially for females and older females, it can protect against osteoporosis. Um, So there are so, so many benefits that can help improve your lifestyle overall.
0: Yeah. And just to throw out some definitions for you guys. So osteoporosis is the loss of bone bone mass over time. Mm -hmm. And it also, uh, resistance training also protects against sarcopenia and, and, uh, that is the loss of muscle mass over time. And that Mm -hmm. is a very, very big risk with aging, especially with females. And so, Mm uh, those two things, osteoporosis and sarcopenia are some of the, you know, leading causes for falls and, and death in older females and and males because Mm -hmm. of aging. And so if you are resistance training, you can really, really prevent against that.
1: Um, and so to, to go on that, a lot of, there's a big myth that, uh, you know, people, especially women, as they get older, they're like, well, I just can't eat as much as I used to, used to when I was younger. Or, um, you know, it's just, once you get older, your metabolism slows down. And it's, it's, I think that more research has come out and shown, well, it's not just your age slows down. Uh, uh, or your metabolism slows down as you age, it's the fact that you've actually lost muscle over time. And so if you keep up and, and it doesn't have to be, you know, you're in the gym six or seven days a week for two hours, it could be even just two, you know, one or two full body um, style circuits in the gym. Again, you don't have to spend hours, but just some sort of resistance training a couple days a week can be huge when it comes to this
0: yeah and it's it's not just the you know metabolism uh getting slower because of loss of muscle like so to kind of shed some light on this again when you age yes some of your aspects of metabolism will slow down a little bit Mm -hmm. that's just you know a part of aging but i think what we're trying to get across here is the degree to which you have control over this Mm -hmm. is so important because and again neat episode two weeks from now you got to listen to it as we talk about this your muscle mass is one very very large component of your basal metabolic rate so your your total calories burnt throughout the day without having to actually do anything having muscle increases that and so the more muscle that you can put on right now whether you are 20 30 40 50 years old you can put on muscle right now it is absolutely possible it's never too late and that's gonna protect protect against when you are 60, 70, 80 years old, even 90. And the because you're going to lose some muscle over time, that is the process of aging. But if you build up that base and that foundation now, losing a little bit from that, you know, losing, you know, two, two, three, four, five percent off of uh, a certain weight of muscle, let's say like a, a hundred grams of muscle, you know, if you lose that down to 90 grams instead of starting at you know 50 and going down by two two to five percent. And you know maybe now you're at a much, much lower and riskier spot. So um, it's really just about building up your base and your resilience to those things. And not only that, but you're improving your neuromuscular control. So your coordination mm-hmm. when you're mm-hmm. lifting weights, you're in- increasing your ability for your brain to connect with your muscles and tell them what to do, how to react, where, how to move. And when you're doing that, you are increasing your resilience to hurting yourself when falling. And so this might be really far off in the future for a lot of you guys listening right now. You know, I don't really think we have an audience of 70, 80 year olds, but you know, it really starts now. We have a select
1: few. We do. (laughs) We do. We have a select few, but yeah. So it's just, again, these are healthy habits, habits to implement now to continue to do over the life, your lifetime. Yes. Um, so that's why it's just important to, if you work out a couple times a week and you continue that for years and years and years, you're just going to be so much more successful in the future.
0: Yes. And resistance training wise, let's say you are that special population of being, you know, 60 plus 70 plus, and you're listening to this right now. Yeah. Maybe you don't want to go into the gym and use barbells and dumbbells. Maybe that's really intimidating for you. Maybe you're not strong enough. Resistance training is not confined to the gym. It is anything that is categorized as resistance. So it can be a resistance band. It can be uh, a little dumbbell at home that you have. It can be, you know, even just lifting up boxes and and moving things around in your house. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there are a lot of ways to do this. So if you are feeling like, no, it's too late, I'm too old, you know, it is definitely not. And you can buy a set of bands at home and just do some easy movements and that can improve your health
1: drastically. Mm -hmm and that goes perfectly into number nine which is moderation versus overindulging or deprivation so whether it is fitness or your food we are trying to look at the longevity of whatever you were doing and so instead of feeling like it's you know you have to be in the gym six to seven days a week. Um, You have to be doing, you know, two hours of um, lifting and then an hour of cardio um, versus, well, I'm going to lift one day a month or once every six months um, versus, um, you know, same thing with food versus I'm going to eat clean um, and only have one cheat meal, like, once a year, um, or you overindulge every single day, every single meal, we're trying to find that healthy balance. And again, that's gonna look very different from each individual, but we want you to practice things in moderation because that is going to help you with this, all of your healthy habits over your entire life.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is huge, right? Because I think the majority of people listening to this Say, you know, I am all or nothing. When I start a program, I want to go all in. And that's what a lot of you guys might be talking about right now today on January 1st, 2021. I'm setting goals and I'm hitting them 100%. Mm -hmm. And while we love that motivation and we love that mindset of like, yes, you're driven, let's use that energy, but also be realistic with yourself. And remember that this is about the long haul. This is not about what you can do in 20, 30 days. This Mm -hmm. is about what you can sustain for the entirety of the year and years beyond. And so when you are thinking about, you know, setting goals and what you're planning to achieve, we want you to reach high. We want you to have big aspirations for yourself, but also remember that this is about the long game. And it is about the fact that if you can eat, you know, one cookie every other day and still reach your goals, but maybe 2% slower, that is still a huge win compared to depriving yourself Mm -hmm. for 30 or 60 days and then not being able to get back on track after two weeks of binging or overindulging
1: right and i feel like especially because it is january 1st a lot of people are going to you know cut out alcohol and no sugar no sweets um no carbs no bread so they eat salads for every meal and that's just it's not fun (laughs) it's not fun it's not something that you're going to be able to sustain over long periods of time so whatever it is whether it's your fitness your exercise your cardio your nutrition try to practice moderation and balance. And again, finding what works for you, because just because your best friend or we're telling you to do something that might not work with your lifestyle. So, and again, it's, it's trial and error. So maybe you find something and it doesn't really work for you. So modify it, move on and try to find something else that works. Yeah, definitely. And
0: just remembering that doing something at 85% or 90% Mm -hmm. for 365 days is way better than doing something at a hundred percent or more for 30, because Mm -hmm. you're going to be able to sustain it. And that goes with our whole theme of the entire podcast is Mm -hmm. sustainability. And, um, you know, I think so many of us with this culture that we live in diet culture and, and, uh, you know, fitness culture in general, listening to this you obviously have an interest in in these topics Um, and we struggle with that all or nothing mindset so so much and I think that's the most prevalent issue that I come across in my clients and I know that that's not unique to my clients Mm -hmm. Um, so you know if we are going to be doing this for the long term really thinking about how do I overcome this all or nothing mindset and how do I practice and implement moderation in my life and it's a skill it's hard mm-hmm. it is harder than being all or nothing that's why we are so challenged with it mm-hmm. so you know don't look at it as oh well i i can't you know practice moderation because i'm just you know that's just how i function look at it as a challenge because I think too often we don't realize that practicing moderation is actually harder. And it is, it does actually take more work because it's so easy to just be on or off. Um, Mm -hmm. But you know, finding that balance in the middle or at that 90%, 85%, whatever that is for you, that is harder, but it is so much more worthwhile in the end.
1: Yeah. I love that. Um, So that ties in perfectly to number 10 which is to focus on yourself and to not compare yourself to others. So just like someone else's uh, version of balance may not work for you, just focus on yourself. Because I mean, I know it's very cliche, but to not compare your chapter two to someone else's chapter 30, because everyone's journey looks very differently. And everyone um, has different setbacks that are unique to them. And so Really try to stay in your lane and and focus on your progress and your goals. Just because someone else that you see maybe in February or March, maybe that you feel like they've made more progress on their journey and their fitness journey and their goals doesn't mean that you're a failure. Um, It's very easy to compare yourself with others, especially nowadays with social media and especially within the bodybuilding world. And when we see a lot of competitors, it's very easy to feel like that is the norm. And to compare yourself to different levels of leanness that is just not normal for everyday life. Um, so, whatever your goals are and whatever they may be, really try to bring it back to you.
0: Yeah. And I mean, this is so individual um, and you're going to struggle with this. Mm -hmm. Everyone is going to struggle with this. We are a comparative species. That is how Mm -hmm. we survive as we compare ourselves with other individuals so that we can, you know, Better and improve ourselves and move forward in life, and that's just evolution. So, it's not something that we're going to get rid of. We can't just get rid of comparison, but what we can do is create the filter that we want to be looking through. Uh, We can curate our lens, and so, what I mean by that is, you can go through everyone that you follow and clear that up a little bit, and you know, get rid of those influences that. You look at and you just feel worthless compared to because Mm -hmm. what are you doing when you are scrolling by those people and you're not unfollowing them you are essentially reiterating that to yourself and you are reiterating that comparison to yourself so you Mm -hmm. can control that so don't just look at it as well social media is bad and i can't have it Mm -hmm. you know this is another thing that we have to take control of and take responsibility for is the the lens that we view ourselves through and how we compare ourselves to others. So mm-hmm. we can control that to an extent um, and just, you know, be kinder to ourselves in that way.
1: Yeah. And it's not necessarily a bad thing to to kind of look and get an, an idea of where other people are. Or, you know, I'm very competitive, so sometimes I, I like to, to look just to get an idea, but it shouldn't, you know, as maybe as um, self-aware as some people might be, it's still extremely easy to fall into the trap of well i wish i had that or i you know that maybe it's so easy for them and i'm never going to get there and they've made so much so much progress i should be so much further ahead um but to really stay in your own lane because i feel like comparing yourself is just going to lead to feelings of inadequacy um, feelings of failure and unhappiness so if you are focused on your goals and you compare for how far you have come um it's just going to be overall just a better um just better for you mentally
0: yeah and i think one thing that you did christina that was really powerful that i think is a really good practical example of how we can focus on ourselves and how we can compare ourselves to us and not other people is uh the other day uh you posted on your instagram a side by side so right now you're roughly one month post show um and this could be a really difficult time for competitors because reverse dieting is hard reverse Mm -hmm. dieting from being stage lean is even harder um and just giving yourself that grace but also knowing like hey the goal right now is to gain a little bit of weight back and to be a little more maintainable putting together a side by side of, you know, your progress picture next to your progress picture Mm -hmm. and actually comparing that and looking at, okay, well, what have I done? over the course of this time that I should be proud of. And so I do this a lot and I know you do too for your clients. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when we are looking at progress or someone is doubting themselves or comparing themselves, maybe they're not openly admitting to scrolling and comparing themselves to others, but you know, we all do it. So what we do as coaches is we will take their progress pictures that they've sent in, maybe the first ones that they took compared to eight weeks later or four weeks later um, and showing them the changes that they have uh, made over time. And for some of my clients, clients, you know, the long timers or people that I've been working with for a while, you know, these are, you know, two years ago to today, like, Hey, let's remember the big picture here. Let's look at how freaking far you've come. And I've done this for myself too. Um, when I'm feeling discouraged about something, I will take the first progress photos that I sent to Brandon because I was in a very unhappy place at that time. And then comparing them to, uh, where I am now, um, which, you know, if I am having a bad day, that can lift me right back up because holy crap, like it's crazy what you can do in almost a year um, or two years or six months even. And um, those reminders are so, so important.
1: And I think that kind of wraps everything up together because that brings us back to our first point of not being caught up in the outcome and enjoying the process. Because if you are constantly comparing yourself to where you want to be, you're going to be constantly unhappy. So it's taking those small victories that add up every single day. So just kind of to to recap. So today we talked about 10 healthy habits that you can implement to live a healthier lifestyle. So number one, again, make your goals process focused versus outcome focused. Number two, focus on movement. Three, hydration. Four, really to prioritize and make sure you prepare for certain things, whether it's your meals or workouts. Five, get some good quality sleep. Six, well, I guess it wasn't necessarily our six, (laughs) but unplug. Seven, resistance train and to build muscle. Eight, moderation versus overindulging or deprivation. Nine, to go outside and ten, to focus on yourself and not compare yourself to others. So um, we hope that you guys enjoyed this episode and got something out of it. And if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed this little bonus episode. Um, you can find both of us on Instagram. You can find me at Christy Lynn Fit and Marissa at Marissa Roy Fitness. Thank you guys so much for listening. Happy 2021. And- Happy New Year. Woo! Happy New Year. And we will see you guys in the next episode. Thanks again
0: for listening to the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast, and we hope you enjoyed and learned something from it. Please remember that Christina and I are not medical professionals, so if you're going to make any changes to your exercise or nutrition routines, please consult with your doctor or medical team first. Finally, we would love you even more than we already do if you took the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Ratings and reviews are how the podcast moves up the ranks and supports our mission to become accessible to even more people. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time here at the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast.